Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Tonight, we're going to talk about variations, the challenge for rough trade in April of 2022. How bizarre is that? 2022. This is our first podcast of the year, and it is January 15, 2022. And I'm telling you that for receipts. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say on that subject. Anyways. Let's get started. Um, honestly, it still feels like 2020. Let's be real. Circumstances have not changed. Well, but at least we can stop saying 2021. Yeah. Although it did. It totally did. <laughs> it totally did. It, it, it whooped our ass. Anyways. Oh, that's mean, <laughs> Hale. That is just mean. <laughs> but accurate. Just totally accurate. Um. What I am actually, I have had, like, um, I have had, um, uh, uh, I kind of, we have all these challenges coming up, right? And I finished my quantum bang. Um, I, well, I finished my third draft of my quantum bang, and I'm now on the editing stage, and I'm getting ready for beta. Um, and uh, I feel really good about my quantum bang. I'm really excited and happy for it. I think people are really going to enjoy it. I and then of course we have the big moxie challenges coming up and um the, the first one is canon divergence um and I am uh 40k on my entry for that and that's the honey trap I've decided to do honey trap for that because it's a canon divergence story um and it's a story about uh buck um going undercover for the LAPD with Chase Mackey so it's a canon divergence on the lawsuit for those of you who are familiar with 911 canon um but going into April our themes are alternate setting and fusion, and I have nothing. You haven't plotted? No. This time last year, I, plot, I had already plotted my whole year. You had the whole year. I mean, I haven't plotted either, so it's not like I'm, like, you know, appalled. She's, like, judging me over no, there. You're, you're but for me, that's, me. like, unusual. Yeah, yeah usually really. I am plotting in December for the year. Um, and I have not I have not plotted a damn thing for April. I, I have nothing. But no, Erte, even, like, even, like, most years, I have plotted or at least decided on fandom and story all year which is one of the reasons why like i, I even made art for the year before for all four stories i was going to tell um in 2020 and one of the reasons why we picked the challenges for the full year you know like a year and a half ahead of time is so for the people who do plot they can start working that stuff out early but um yeah <laughs> you're usually like I figured you'd already plotted the whole year already. And we just hadn't talked about it yet. But, you know, I mean, I've been way behind on my story plotting lately. So I don't nor, normally by this time I have art for all three challenges. I'm going to be perfectly honest. Normally I have art for all three challenges. I have nothing for none of them. Nothing. Not a not a damn thing. And the only reason I have anything for Canon Divergence and Big Moxie is I was already writing it. Uh, no, Sam. No, I'm no. I've already been I've already realized that I'm not remotely a pantser. She doesn't have even that though ever when I thought I was pantsing, I wasn't. Because the minute you sit down, even if you sat down to pants at like you knew had nothing the moment you started writing, by the time you finished your first writing session, you'd have the whole story planned in your head, and that's not pantsing. No, it's not. Sorry, I had an apple in my mouth. No, it's not. <laughs> I I tried, but then I it it. But even yeah, it my, was, what it what was I was synthetic. doing, no, it was um. Revenant. Was it Revenant that you were panting? Was it synthetic? 
because I had a whole bunch. Oh, I did all my world building for synthetic, but I didn't plot. Right. Maybe that's why it fucking fell apart beyond the obvious that it was well, a really th- wrong fit. I think it's because um, you didn't plot ahead of time is why you ran into the problems once you started writing. Because normally in your plotting process, you would have come. I would have already that. figured that out. But yeah. you were distracting yourself from plotting by doing all those world building documents and stuff. At least that's what I remember. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, I think that if I had zero drafted that, I would have realized pretty much immediately that I was doing the wrong thing and I wouldn't I wouldn't have done what I did. Um, but even when I was trying to pant synthetic, I had my plot points in my head already. I knew how it was going to end. I knew which characters I was going to wake up, when I was going to wake them up. Um... I knew the personal dynamics. I, I knew uh, the history of the characters and, and how they were going to be working together in the dynamic. And all I, I, just, I knew it already. We actually have a Halo uh, story in the plotting stages. So, Halo. Yeah, me and you remember we did that whole plot thing. Oh, oh, right. That was that's it. Why did I think that was something? Oh, I, I got my I got my games mixed up in my in my brain. It's Halo Reach, right? Yeah, Halo Reach is the one where um, we have John leaving. Um, John is a Spartan in right. his universe, and he gets ejected by Doctor Halsey from Halo from the Reach, from Reach, which is a planet, right? And ends up in the Stargate universe. Uh, yeah, Ellie Ellie still hasn't recovered from having to pants that Peach story. Um, but like in, in the past, when I thought that I'd pantsed, it was just because I didn't write anything down, but it was already in my head. Like I told that story of the birth of the serpent king in my head like ten times before I ever put it down on paper. But I still thought I was pantsing because I didn't actually do zero draft. But apparently, that's not what a pantser is. I mean, the only time I can think of that, no, not really. I mean, the only time I think of, can think of that I pants something. It, it does happen occasionally, but it's not really like what I would call like the way most of the pantsers I know of pants is, which is that I sit down to make some notes about an idea and my notes actually turn into writing and it, you know, it's just kind of like word vomit and it's like, Oh, look, there's a story. (laughs) You know, I tend to make my story notes and instead I just get kind of carried away. And then the last thing I can think of that happened that way where the story just kind of came out rather than the notes I had intended. Um, was the horseman i mean it was just kind of like i just kind of like dumped out like the first 5k and it just kind of all came out and i was like okay whatever um but um so for april we're doing you can either do a fusion or you can do an alternate setting right that's mm-hmm. that's april um so alternate settings would be like um coffee shop au yeah <laughs> or putting favorite. like the 1810 like like putting the 1810 in a, um in a bau yeah, now I was thinking about doing 118 in Star Trek. Um, for the Which fusion. would be great. Um, but I've also been kind of toying with an academic AU. I don't, I don't, I'm not remotely interested in high school or college AUs, but I think academic AUs are entertaining. Because um, there's so, so much breadth in academia that you can really tailor what your character's roles are in the university um, to what they're, to suit their personality. Um, One of my favorite academia academia AUs is Rodney teaches physics and John teaches math, I believe. And Rodney's he's Rodney's a hell beast, and his students to um, kind of fuck with him, uh, put up a dating profile for him, even though he's dating John. 
they're together. They're an established couple. Um, and actually, there are a lot of responses. People wanting to get with him. And um, it makes John, John extremely jealous. No, John's a literature teacher. He's a literature teacher. Or something like that. Something soft. Um, and John gets bent around the axle about all these uh, scientist people um, hitting on Rodney. And uh, his assistant has to call Rodney and tell Russian, maybe? Yeah, he's, he's literature. Um, has to tell Rodney, look, you need this. You need to fix this because he's trying to enroll in some some scientific class to take classes online because he's worried you're going to leave him. <laughs> it was adorable. <laughs> That's cute. There are a few, there are a few if I recall correctly, um, entertaining academia AUs and Teen Wolf. Um, it's a good, um, I find age up. I don't, I don't read a lot of alternate setting AUs. It's not my typically my favorite thing. Because uh, I find a lot of times the alternate setting um, mechanics rob the characters of um, their personality. Especially because like, I find the most popular um, alternate setting type AUs, like high school AUs. It's, well, for starters, I'm not remotely interested in taking a bunch of adults sending them back to high school. I don't need to relive that. Um, also, I have to say, I find high school AUs and Teen Wolf to be hysterical <laughs> because it's already set in high They're school. They're already in high school. What are we doing? Yeah. It's just people that are, what that basically means is someone's de-aging, you know, Peter and Derek and putting them in high school too. But, um, yeah, it's not my. I I can see how people would like it. Now, the one exception would be is if somebody wrote Sky High AUs for any fandom I read, and I would probably give it a go. I think that Nits Nerd has got it. Let me look. Because power placement will never not be great. In maybe this is an Alpha Order Ao3. I don't think Ao3 does. They fucking should. They should do lots of things, including give me the basic filters on. They my do history. filter by title. It's GaySugarDaddy.com. <laughs> yes, it's called Academic by Rage Proof Rock. Um, I'm gonna put the link in. Um, and it's just uh, five thousand. It's, it's fifty five hundred words, and um, it's adorable. You can't go wrong reading um, proof. So you know, no, you can't. No, dig in. Um, uh, yeah, read everything. Um, pre-wrote. I mean, just everything. I've never encountered a single story of hers that I didn't enjoy. That's like Asked a Lot and um, Lady Raw. You just can't go wrong with any of them. Yeah, just... Lady Raw is awesome. Um, Lady Raw always knocks it out of the port, um, out of the park. It's it's re it would be really easy to get jealous of her. Yeah, I mean, there was like <laughs> one of the stories I read by her. It's like one I had put off by it for a long time. Um, was the uh, Smallville. Uh, Star Star Stargate Atlantis crossover. I think it's called Gene Therapy, and I, it was like one of the last stories of hers I read because I would just kind of drum my fingers at it and side eye it. Like that doesn't make any sense. Um, and then finally, I run out of works of hers to read, so I was like, "Well, all right, fine. I I, I can't just leave one story." Um, so I sat down and read it. It was great. It was great. You know, because you think, now, "How could this possibly work?" But it, it's there is a sequel to it as well, yeah. But I, I had the sequel didn't exist when I first read it. I mean, for Lady Rye, even at Red and Fandoms, I don't normally read it. I think that was the first uh, um, Sherlock fanfic I read was the one she wrote. Where um, isn't it hers? Where uh, Hugh is uh, Sherlock's little 
little brother and keeps killing and destroying anybody who messes with James Bond. Yeah, yeah, that story is amazing. <laughs> His name's Willoughby Holmes, I think. Mm, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you you can't go wrong with Rage Proof Rock or Lady Raw or Astolot. I mean, Astolot is the reason that McShep is my OTP. Because I fell straight in love. I never look back. Sometimes I've got a piece of apple in my teeth. Hold on. I'm on pause. Man, I love a Honeycrisp apple, but they don't always love me. <sighs> now, I think there's one, I think in the Willoughby Holmes one, that there's one where, a moment where he makes the whole city disappear because they all, they participated in capturing Bond and torturing him. And Mycroft calls him up to chew him out. He goes, don't pretend like it wasn't on your list to get rid of them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Just check that off your to-do list. It is done. <laughs> ordinary numbers. Oh wow, that is wow. I ordinary numbers was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Is that the one where his name is Mike or something like that? He's working in tech support. Okay. Been a long time since I read it, so I'm not sure if there's any tr triggery content in it. Is that but the same? I really enjoyed it. Is that the one where he in it? Okay, so the the Lady Bra one is called Why Mycroft. Mycroft constantly worries about his youngest brother. I haven't read Sherlock Holmes in a while. I think I'll pick that up over a little while and read it. But that's not helping me with my with my April. Um, so remember, if, for April, you have a choice. You can do fusion and... Well, you have, you have multiple choices. You can do a fusion story and you could do a, a alternate setting story. Or you could do a fusion story or an alternate setting story. Or you could do a hybrid fusion alternate set, mm -hmm. right? Now, I have, I do have some ideas. I'm not completely without ideas, but none of them are really inspiring me. Yeah. Now, there is one idea that I have that I've already zero drafted. I zero, I zero drafted it years ago and never wrote it. Um, where's my retrade? Okay. Now, my, I had a, uh, an alternate setting where John worked for NASA and, um, Rodney was, uh, well, John, John's an Air Force pilot and he, um, yeah, Rocket Man. Wow, Star. Thanks for remembering that. I really appreciate it. Uh, I mean, seriously, that's, that's awesome. Um, and John and Rodney is, um, the CSO of the International Space Station. Um, uh, this is, you know, kind of like 30 or 40 years ahead of where, where we are now. Um, and John is on a mission and that mission is sabotaged and he is the only survivor and he is ejected from the ship that he was on and he doesn't know it, but the pod has been sabotaged as well. And he's not going to make it back to earth. He's not going to land. Um, and Rodney realizes it and Rodney reorient reorients the international space station and catches him. So um, I have that zero draft. I don't know where it is. I'd have to, I'd have to spend like three years looking for it. I mean, I know enough about it that I could actually re-zero draft and I probably should actually, that might give me more <sighs> interest. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. That might increase my interest in it. Um, in July, I'm seriously considering a, um, a sequel to the Air of the Angels Breeze, but I haven't zero drafted that either. And I got nothing. And I do mean nothing for November. Which is ridiculous because my bread and butter is Canaan Divergence. Um, 
July is mutant or the Sentinel or both. Yeah. Um. But in April, you know, I I do have that Rocket Man idea. I just um, that was the year that I had a choice between doing the Rocket Man and synthetic, and I did synthetic. But I had zero drafted Rocket Man, but I didn't zero draft synthetic because I decided I was going to try to do pantsing. Yeah, I think that I actually hand wrote that zero draft, which was a, which would be a problem. Because a lot of my old notebooks are in storage. And by storage, I mean they're in a waterproof container in my garage under five other waterproof containers in my garage. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Things you do to yourself. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely imitating Grumpy Cat over here. Um, but yeah, so it's appealing. Um, and maybe zero drafting again would increase my interest in the idea. But I'm just kind of flummoxed by the idea that I have nothing. Well, really. you know, when I think when I when I stop to think about it, when it comes to fusions, most of the fusions that because I was a little bit a little bit the same was like I'm surprised I haven't had any ideas yet, especially um, alternate setting isn't really my cup of tea. So it's something I really have to put some time thinking about, not just what I could do, but what I would feel inspired by. Um, and then when it comes to fusion, I tend to, I tend to, when I hear fusion, I just kind of go, oh yeah, yeah, I can handle a fusion. But I would say 90% of the fusions I've written, if not 95% have been Sentinel fusion. Right. Um, yeah. And I certainly wouldn't want to do that for this. Um, I don't want to try a different kind of fusion. Yeah. Especially since we're going to be doing the Sentinel in the Big Moxie in quarter two. Right. And we've got Sentinel Fusion for um, Rough Trade in the summer, too. So, or at least the Sentinel. You don't necessarily have to do a Fusion. You could just go right Jim and Blair getting it on. But, um, you know, so I started thinking about other kinds of Fusions that I have enjoyed. Um, certainly the one I, the, 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 the hardcore Fusion I've enjoyed the most, by far, that just jumps out at me is Fate Protects Fools, Small Children and Ships Named Valor by Sunrider, which is just banging. Um, but I've I've read a few Stargate fusions. I, I can't say that I can think of any that really, really stick out to me, because a lot of times they wind up drifting more into crossover zone, where I think they're going to be a fusion, and they wind up being more, um, having a lot more to do with the Stargate characters than I was expecting. Um I, I read a really great one once where Rodney was a Sith and John was a Jedi. And John goes to this planet where Rodney is. And I don't know, I, I can't remember what he intends to do. But anyway, Rodney seduces John to the dark side. <laughs> As one does. As one does. <laughs> or something like that. It's been a lot of time since I read it, but it was really amusing. I remember being very enamored with, with just the whole thing. One of the things that is amazing about Fate Protects Fools by Sunrider is that it is a it is like a masterclass on character work because um, Sunrider preserved the um, the essence of the NCIS characters in the Star Trek universe and it felt effortless, which is no easy thing to do when you're taking your characters out of their canon circumstance to make them still feel like the characters you know um how to do that i mean it, it 
to, to make it to, so that it didn't feel like it was forced or that, that they were working for it or that they were trying to, to shove anything in, in any kind of awkward way. It, it felt just like this effortless character work. Uh, it, it was just brilliant. So I highly recommend it, even if neither 911, I mean, not 911, even if neither NCIS nor um, Star Trek are your thing, if you're at least familiar with them, it's it's really exceptionally well done. And a lot of the problematic elements that I, you know, that I have with NCIS are certainly gone in in this story, like the head slaps and stuff don't exist. So No, because that's, that's how somebody gets court-martialed. Right. Um <laughs> So I definitely, as far as fusions go, it's one of the one of the best fusions I've I've ever read. Um, now there's also, I just a reminder, there's two different kinds of fusions. One, the when they first started talking about fusions, um, one was to take like the cast of one show and then put them into the world of another as if they belong there, which is what Sunrider had done. And another kind is to merge the world of two different shows together. So like um, merge like Teen Wolf and, and I don't know, NCIS together as if, I don't know, Tony Groke a werewolf or something, um, which actually. Might- oh, John's the Sith and Rodney's the Jedi. Okay. It's the dark side by Astolot. Yeah, which of, which of course, of course, it's Astolot. <laughs> Go ahead. So there, so, and some things meet both definitions of fusion, which is it is both taking the characters out of their canon and circumstances and putting them in, in a whole new world, and seeing how that world plays out with this different set of characters in the world. And the other is world building fusion, uh, which is what we often do with Sentinel fusion so um you could do either or both um and the crossover element you can also of course you do cro- crossovers when you start bringing the different characters together which is where i interpret the crossover side of it comes the fusion is more about the world and the crossovers about the characters um so how you interpret april is up to you and i'm trying to think so if you want to do i mean you could definitely alternate setting and Fusion, if you were to put, um, you know, the Stargate cats, the S, you know, AR1 from Stargate Atlantis um, on a starship in the Star Trek universe, that would qualify as both alternate setting and fusion. Mm-hmm. The reason that we put these two themes together, and you can blame the mods, um, was because they were com- companion pieces. They're, each time we did the themes for the this year, we were looking at themes that could be merged together and used together or used separately. So it was like a companion situation, like, okay, what works with alternate setting? What works with the fusion? And, you know, what works with the Sentinel? Of course, mutants work with the Sentinel. You know, it just we just went through it and tried to pick out themes that would work well together um, and that would allow um, some challenge to take place. Now, there are a lot of kinds of alternate settings that wouldn't be fusions, like um, anything that anything where the world very similarly resembles the canon circumstances. So let's say you're working with um, any kind of contemporary drama and you put them into a different kind of contemporary setting, like a coffee shop or a college or high school. You make them strippers or um, prostitutes. You know, I don't care. No judgment. You do you. Um, those would not be fusions unless, I don't know, unless there's a show out there. The Hooker. Well, the Hooker show. When you said that, my 
thought was, is what if Buck was a companion? Oh, she, it, was it Firefly? No. Yeah, that would be cool, too. But I was thinking more along to the J.D. Robb universe. Oh, okay. But I, but I forget what they're called. Um, someone help me out. Charles was one. Um, licensed companion, an LC. Yeah. What if he was a licensed companion in the in-death world? That would be both an alternate setting and a fusion. Yeah. But funny also. Yes. Um, but not funny because I think he'd be an excellent one. I think he'd be very good at it. Yeah. So the question was, if you're writing it as a fusion crossover where you put, say, NCIS team is a, is a wolf pack and they're going into Team Wolfland, would you need to be writing it from the NCIS side? Uh, well, it wouldn't be a fusion if it's about the characters and the team. So you could write it from the POV of a Teen Wolf character, but it would need to be about your NCIS people. Otherwise, you haven't achieved that's more crossover yeah. than fusion. POV is sort of a little bit a little bit academic, but if you are if if the if the NCIS characters are incidental to the plot, you have not achieved alternate setting or fusion because your your world is Teen Wolf. And if your NCIS characters are incidental, then what if you you haven't achieved the goal? So you need that alternate set of characters in the world. In that in that scenario that was given, but I mean, outside POV is totally a thing. So I mean, it could be writing about the NCIS wolf pack moving to Beacon Hills, and it's told from Derek's point of view. So the POV, the narrator POV, is a little bit possibly irrelevant as long as your NCIS cast is not incidental to the plot. Now, see, the whole time I'm sitting here thinking, what the hell would they do in Beacon Hills? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's actually quite a few um, Wolfpack NCIS stories. Um, there's one that's called LCIS something. Yeah, I, I think I've I think I've read Lichen, part of that. Lycanthrope Criminal Investigation Service or something like that. Um, well, there's 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 several. That's one that jumped out at me because they changed the, the they changed the author of that story changed the mandate of NCIS to be about lycanthropes instead of being about the Navy. So they just kind of reinvented or reinterpreted the entire universe to make it fit, fit wow. the wolf pack thing. Um, Which is more alternate setting, you would think, right? Basically? Sort of, except they still lived in D.C. They still had basically their same roles on the team. It's just they... So you know, more alternate universe. Yeah, it was definitely an AU kind of situation. It was an interesting spin because, there, I mean, I've seen Wolfpack ones where they're still NCIS agents. This one was like going, no, I'm going to go all in on the on them that they're them being wolves and this is what they investigate now i do have a halo fusion um uh, called the pale horse it's on ead um but that is where uh the i've put the spartan program wholesale into the fabric of the stargate universe um and that they found the Stargates later after um, after the um, the, the war with the Covenant, which was an alien, was an alien, a, a group of aliens who basically wanted to destroy the universe. <laughs> that was their end goal, whether they knew it or not. Um, and so after that war, after the Covenant War, um, they started exploring Forerunner technology, and they and in that world, the Forerunners and the Ancients are the same thing. 
and they found stargates and they found uh, a pale horse is actually uh, like the precursor to a bigger fic that I have a zero drafted that I never wrote where John leads a mission um, to uh, Pegasus. But that's a fusion, not a crossover. Whereas the idea that me and Julie plotted that one night that we still that I've not lost I've not launched a podcast for that and I won't because I don't want anybody taking it. To be perfectly frank, um, we put a lot of effort into that and um, and thought and work. And if someone wrote that up from me, this I'd probably have a fucking conniption. Just to be frank, um, so it's not going to be published until we've got something established. Which you know, if it, if it takes five years, fuck you. It takes five years. <laughs> Um, when it comes to doing like a fusion with like, so like with the example given, like the, what would the NCIS team be doing in Beacon Hills? Um, and I think there was kind of a, like a throwaway answer given a Marine goes missing for myself. I would want to kind of reimagine if I were doing a fusion or an alternate setting, especially a fusion, what is that team for? What is that doing? So I would probably kind of reimagine the world building of, um, there a, was a, a NCIS spinoff that never went anywhere. I think it was NCIS where they had a mobile response unit, like a national mobile response. I think unit. that was a Criminal Minds, but was it Criminal? Yeah, the, no, that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, I know they had one, like an international with a plane and everything. But I thought NCIS had one too. No, no, I don't. This was this was something else. I don't think it was NCIS, but I would probably not have them be with NCIS. Yes, EJ. Yes, NCIS, NCIS Red. Red. That sounds familiar. They had all that tech, and I think they had an eighteen wheeler or like a big bus or something. And there was like a there was like a crossover episode with um like, like a backdoor pilot with uh NCIS LA, but it but it never went anywhere. Because what if they what if they were that? What if they were like a national uh kind of like supernatural response team well that's what i would well but that's but i would take the ncis element out as my point i would make them a response team oh. probably for like a supernatural council or something that's maybe in beacon yeah. hills to investigate the hail fire or um maybe even the return of the argents to beacon hills or something like that um to to separate it from ncis because if it's just you know ncis mandate stuff it it's not really meeting that fusion no. burden. That's that. Well, it still could. It could be a fusion, but it's not a fusion if if the NCIS world is altered, which means the NCIS world needs to be aware of werewolves, right? Otherwise, it's just a crossover with a big secret. So, if but even if both worlds are unaltered and the NCIS folks are just investigating a missing person in Beacon Hills or a crime in Beacon Hills, but they don't know about werewolves, then that's not a fusion. That's just a crossover. No, I think a supernatural team would be really cool, though. Like they're just investigating the Nematon, or you know, they suspect a Hellmouth's about to open up in Beacon Hills. <laughs> yeah. Just whatever. <laughs> they're hunting Kate because she's a serial killer, a, a werewolf serial killer, mass murderer. Yeah. Anyway, um, so that's what, what kind of the direction I would want to go if if I were doing like a fusion, um with NCIS and, and Teen Wolf, which you absolutely could do, but you kind of have to obliterate one show to make, I think, to make the fusion <laughs> seem legitimate. Why is that clock there? What? Oh, a second. Okay. That, that, that clock is stupid sensitive. Yeah, it is. 
Oh, yeah, I mean, any any procedural could, um, you could slot, slot it into that premise where they're a supernatural task force um, looking for supernatural serial kills. But, but if there are, but the thing about that is then you then have to adapt the Teen Wolf canon and go back and kind of reimagine things a little bit to figure out, well, if, if there actually is a supernatural task force, how has that altered things in Beacon Hills? It speaks to a bigger universe, doesn't it? Because it, it's like, I mean, yeah, you have hunter clans and you have werewolf families and it's kind of spread out. But the idea, like, like there's a big uh, council and they have response teams and there is like a network um, dealing with crimes against werewolves and stuff like that. It, it It has a bigger feel than what you get or what I get out of the fandom as a whole, like the, like the canon circumstances. Yeah. Could you fuse three fandoms? Would that be a bit overwhelming? That is a you decision, not a me decision. Because um, I personally would not do it. Because I think it would dilute. I mean, it all depends upon what you mean by fuse three fandoms. Because when we're talking, when it comes to fusion, you're usually talking about either bringing the cast of one or more shows into a different world. So you could bring as many you know, casts, you could bring, you know, you could cherry pick people from all your favorite procedurals and dump them into the Star Trek universe. You know, that could be from 15 fandoms and you've got one person from Numbers and two people from NCIS and three people from Criminal Minds and just pick your Starship cast. There's that. But when it comes to world, fusing worlds together, it becomes, usually you want one world to be the dominant rule and then you adapt it depending upon based on your needs so like if you're fusing stargate and uh, with with ncis right stargate's rules it's science rules for lack of a better word it's mythos becomes the world and anything with ncis that contradicts that mythos takes over it, i'm sorry it's obliterated right um, same yeah. thing with like MCI, MCU and NCIS, right? It's like MCU's world building becomes the thing. It becomes dominant. Um, and anything in NCIS that contradicts that comic book, that comic book science and that comic book stuff gets wiped out. What ha what, where it becomes complicated is what happens when you're trying to fuse things together that contradict each other. So like, it's pretty easy to take it anything in a contemporary setting and fuse it into something sci-fi because the sci-fi world becomes the world and anything in the contemporary world that doesn't gel is just ignored. But what happens when you get two science fiction worlds and they don't have the same rule? We've had, we've done um, podcasts about why the MCU and Stargate are really bad matchups mashup and it's partially because their their science doesn't match well but also because they both have contradictory secrets and contradictory government agencies that would be aware of each other and should have been acting differently if they were aware of one another um mm -hmm. but when you've got a uh, same thing happens with supernatural fandoms that contradict one another so like you could put sam and dean into the into the Teen Wolf universe and just say they live in the Teen Wolf universe and ignore Supernatural. But to actually fuse Supernatural and Teen Wolf together would be a lot of work because those those can't those uh, world canons 
contradict. The werewolf mythology mythos alone doesn't match up. So, okay, question. So if I want, okay, this is a question from the chat room. So if I wanted to have the HP world find Atlantis, how would I stop that from being a crossover? How would you stop it from being? Well, well, think of think of crossover as being about characters. Okay, so if you're having characters from two different worlds interact, that's a crossover. So if you don't want it to be a crossover, the HP characters don't interact with the Stargate characters. But it seems like you do want it to be a crossover. So fusions. Um, well, I mean. Sometimes, like in a fusion, you have characters meeting characters in the original universe. I would still say that. That so, like, if you write a a Sentinel fusion, like if I put when you if if I put nine one one characters in the SGC as an as like a response team, and I and that's what they were put put together for. Um, they don't live in LA; that they, they live in Colorado. Um, Bobby is uh, I get a major in the air force and he's put together a team that go off world to rescue people in when they get in situations and they would interact with other members of the sgc including general hammond probably o'neill if he's the xo that wouldn't be a crossover it would be a fusion or what it would would be an alternate setting but if they don't have connections to 911 just just the characters themselves have been dropped wholesale into the sgc I would still say it still meets the burden of a, of a crossover, too, because you're using the characters from both fandoms. I mean, you just are. Because the original, the original, original definition of a fusion said that the 118 would replace SG-1. Jack O'Neill wouldn't exist. Sam Carter wouldn't exist. Um, Teal'c wouldn't exist. Buck would be your big alien um, first prime. Um Bobby would be the leader of the team. You replace the characters in the... That was the original definition of a fusion, right? Is replace the characters mm-hmm. from one show with the characters from another show and see how it plays out differently, right? Um, but if you're going to transplant them but still have all the characters from both shows intact, you I think you have both a crossover and a fusion. Because the fusion is about the world. Well, maybe it becomes a crossover in an alternate setting. Um, perhaps. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. I see what you're saying. It's uh, yeah, because you're not fusing the worlds together. Because the 118 world is irrelevant; it doesn't exist, right? Well, yeah, it would be an alternate. Right, it's setting. an alternate setting and a crossover. Um, I see what you mean. Um, because um, so back to the question about Harry Potter. I do have a solution for you. Do you want me to give it to you right here, right now? Or would you like me to DM you? Okay. Um, Atlantis has a portal, and Sirius Black stumbles through the veil and through that portal and finds Atlantis. Years later, Harry Potter, seeking to find his godfather, studies the veil with Hermione, and Hermione realizes that it's not the veil of death, that it is an, a, a portal of some kind. And they go through it, and they find Sirius Black living on the City of the Ancients. And they discover, through research, that the Ancients were the beginnings of magical people on earth. That's how you do it. I've never read anything like that. Someone said that someone has done something like that. I did see an idea once where Hermione fell through a portal and ended up with the Mandalorian or with Ronan, with Ronan, but not on the city of the ancients. So you're, was that Harry? Mean, you're basically saying that the veil is connected to um, the Stargate 
network and somebody's saying that that's already been written i mean yeah i haven't read her heard of no i'm saying there is no stargate oh there's no stargate at all but the ancients didn't create stargates they created portals and the veil of death is a portal that they were magical the whole time yeah, there's a part of there's little bits of everything that could be there's in any idea parts and partials of it will be have been done in other places it's really hard i actually i can't have Give us one moment, guys. Okay, so yeah, there are a lot of stories in Harry Potter where the veil turns out to be something other than the veil of death. Um, but that is a viable way to do it. But the way you make it not a crossover is that you obliterate the Stargate. For me, personally, that, that's how I would do it. I would take the Stargate completely out of the equation so that the only way to Atlantis, the only way people leave Earth um, through ancient technology turns out to be magical portals. That they were magical people the whole time and all of their technology is based on magic and magical devices. So that's how I would do it. Yeah, having the connection be somehow from magic um, certainly helps. And and if you don't want a crossover, just don't include any of the Stargate characters, except of course the city itself. Now there's like, there come a point where it's more fusion that it doesn't matter if there are some crossover characters. Yeah, I think once you've done the fusion work, it doesn't matter because that, that that happens with um, a lot of Sentinel fusions, where it doesn't matter if Jim and Blair are in the story or not, right? Once you've mm -hmm. achieved a Sentinel guide fusion, the world is what it is, and if Jim and Blair are the are mentioned or named characters or on screen characters, well, and, and I I think it I, it's to be kind of relevant. Mm. Well, because like in Sentinels of Atlantis, that, that's a fusion, but Jim and Blair do eventually show up. Yeah. Yeah. But, I was... but they're not in their canon circumstances. And maybe that's the, a deciding factor as well. Well, I think that, I mean, you. I think when it comes to the fusion, the world that your main characters are operating in is fundamentally different. You've fused different world building rules onto it, which is the Sentinel Guide thing. And to me, that's the fusion part of it. Um, unless you're doing the mm -hmm. other kind of fusion where you're dropping your characters wholesale into a different universe, like Star Trek or something like that. Um, so you just have to know which, which approach you're taking. Are you altering the world or are you moving your characters, which is alternate setting as well. But if it's a, if it's an, if it's a completely different set of rules, you've also probably achieved a fusion as well. Someone mentioned earlier about the portal thing being a trope and uh, there not being a risk of, of idea sniping. Idea sniping is not being inspired by somebody else's work. Idea sniping is taking somebody's fucking plot and writing it. Idea sniping is also taking somebody else's plot apart and pointing out all the people who've already done it for them so they don't need to bother writing it. That's idea sniping. Like as in a shooting gallery. He's tearing it apart or making it irrelevant. Or stealing it. That's what idea sniping is to me. It, I expect, I hope people are inspired by the things that I, do, that I do and the ideas that I have. I hope that, I hope for that, I expect that because I'm awesome. <laughs> but when someone comes along and fucking writes your whole plot for you, beat by beat, that's a whole different animal. Yeah. I used to be modest, then I realized that didn't really get me anywhere. Women are taught to be demure and modest about their abilities because they don't want to sound arrogant or presumptuous. Oh, well, fuck that shit. 
I had, you know, one time I was working on, um, yeah, and to be sorry for being talented. You're absolutely right, Zena. Yeah. I had, there was a story that, I, a, a, an idea that I was plotting out. I wanted to tell a series of stories where each story was kind of a, a subtle contemporary retelling of um, some sort of fairy tale. Not a new thing, right? And I was, no, it's yeah. it's been done. I mean, and it. And, and that kind of framework um, is the basis for not necessarily fairy tales, but it's the basis for how um, Clueless is a reinterpretation of um, Pride and Prejudice. Um, no, Emma, Emma, um, Emma. Um, which is the one that's the reinterpretation of Pride and Prejudice? My brain is blanking. Clueless is the reinterpretation um. of Emma. Um, but anyway, um, there is a modern reinterpretation of Pride and Prejudice, but my brain is... 10 things I hate about, no. Congested. Anyway, um, so, but the also the reinterpreting things from fairy tales, Bridget Jones' diary. Yeah, you're you, right, Dark. Nick. Um, 10 things is Taming of the Shrew. So, um, yeah. These things, the, the reinterpreting, reinterpreting classic or familiar stories in a in a contemporary model. It's like, there's nothing new conceptually about that, right? So I'm. Yeah, there are a whole romance series dedicated right. so, to it, like multiple romance series. So I mentioned, to it. I was talking about that thing about doing in this, and and my preliminary idea um, was, you know, w was to do, and and they go, oh, and they thought that they were being helpful, but they immediately started rattling off all the authors that had recently, currently done something like that in their books. I'm like what do you think I'm going to do? Go and get those books and read their stories? I don't understand how you think this is helpful. They said, well, that's what you kind of what you want to do, right? I'm like, so you think that when I want to do something that I go out and read stuff that is similar? That's just, that's that's not how, that that's that feels like it'd be like killing any inspiration I had is, you know, so... I mean, at that point, I'd be like, why bother? Right. I mean, it's like, I'm, and I wasn't certain what they were trying to, to tell me. It's like, are you telling me this is already done? Because I know that. I know people are already doing stuff like this. Uh, some of my favorite movies are adaptations of classics. Um, so, I, and they thought they were being helpful to show me, you know, that I could go read who, other people who are doing this. That is a non-writerly perspective that you will get inspiration from reading other people who are doing that. Yeah, I think you're right, Elle, but um, I just wanted to make sure that people who misunderstood what we meant by it. So we, we had a whole podcast dedicated to it that we just recently published. Um, and there is a different, like Julie talked about the, the reader perspective versus the writer perspective. And the last thing I want is the whole bunch of links to people who've already done the idea that I just had. Because we've talked before about there being a limited number of ideas. I mean, genuinely speaking... Hill Street Blues is NYPD Blue, is Law and Order, is what's the new one um, with Tom Selleck? Um, Blue Bloods. Yeah, I mean, because it's like one thing after another. They're, they're all that same cop procedural, just with different characters. It's the same idea. It's the same. They're just regurgitating that particular premise repeatedly. Um, it though there are a limited number of those, and it's about your execution. Uh, and that's the, that's the important part. And the last thing you want when you're putting together an idea like that is for someone to pile a whole bunch of links on you of somebody else doing that before you did it or 
giving you examples of commercial works that have been done or because it's it's not inspiring and honestly if you're the kind of read, writer who goes out and researches by reading other people's executions of your work of of, of your idea do better right be better strive to be better than that it's so weird that's not that's not creativity that's mimicry is that, is that how you say that word mimicry yep um and it's it's awful and not entertaining and not fun <clears throat> yeah if you want to read it to take a life lesson on things you should not do your mileage may vary <laughs> but as I know that the reader inclination is when someone presents something to you that you find fascinating and that you know somebody else has done it. Oh, oh you know, so-and-so did this with it. Let me get you that link. And then you come back with 10 links because you're trying to be helpful. Well, in reader to reader, that is helpful. And that's what readers want. And like That's why tropes exist. That's why tropes are popular. Um, but writer to writer, it's not. That's not helpful. That's not what a writer wants from that kind of interaction because it's not going to um, help their creative product. Anyways, back to alternate setting. I think that while I've done fusions, obviously, um, I've rarely done alternate settings. And it makes me want to do an alternate setting for April. Yeah, I've um, it's not my, I, I it's not my favorite trope to read. So I I don't I tend to write what I like to read. Um, yeah. So I think, but I think often a lot of times when there's a trope I haven't enjoyed reading, I I just need to figure out what what it is about what I've read I haven't enjoyed, and then figure out how to address that. But and a lot of times for me it comes down to an issue of characterization is that either the characters are exactly like they are in canon in a way that makes no sense because why would a Gibbs who runs a coffee shop be just like Gibbs in canon? Um, uh, stop. A Gibbs that runs a coffee shop would be ten years in the grave. <laughs> um, <laughs> that man would not survive running a coffee shop. <laughs> He drink all of his profits, but um, <laughs> but you know, but so either there's like a lack of adaptation of the character, or the characters are so unfamiliar they don't feel like the same characters at all. In in which case you're kind of going, what am I what am I reading? Um, which is why I think for me it it depends upon the fandoms you read in, right? Like some fandoms lean themselves to certain kinds of alternate settings um some some of the fandoms i read and certainly academia au's are a little bit of an e a little bit easier um transition from for the characters to put the characters in that setting um and it may also just be a personal preference like i i just i don't really want to read is it high school myself personally so reading about adult characters going back to high school no that's a hard pass for me like reading Gibbs work at the coffee shop he is a rare book dealer next door who hates everybody gibbs <laughs> is a rare book dealer are you kidding me yeah. Yeah. gibbs and books i yeah. mm, i can't see yeah. it um it's an alternate setting we, we gotta give him something it's very <laughs> alternate um but you, you see what i mean it's like when you start 
some t- you have to figure out an adaptation that works, right? Oh yeah, he like, could, he could, he could do a woodworking shop. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes he sense. Could be a carpenter. So like oh, yeah, so if great job, star. If, if Tony runs the coffee shop, you have to figure out like what would make sense. Like it would not make sense for Gibbs to be a pastry chef. I mean, he makes wedding cakes. This is just like a bit of a stretch to anybody else. It'd be ironic as fuck though. I mean, possibly if you're writing it as crack, it could be very entertaining. But you know, but it's not a it's not a coffee shop AU if if nobody's in a coffee shop. <laughs> so well, I mean, Tony Tony could own and run the coffee shop, and it could be filled be, with movie memorabilia. Yeah, it could be a movie themed coffee shop. Um, it could be a mall AU, and they could all have their own little shop. Oh my god, a mall AU! <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm gonna write it. Kira's like zero an outdoor mall. Kira zero so they don't like the least appealing idea she could possibly think of as far as I'm concerned. Um Well, neither one of us are gonna write this, so might as well. Um let's do the nine one one cast in an academia. Let's let's ponder that. Um Okay. So university. So they're all going to be teachers of some kind, professors. Um well, I don't think necessarily physics and chemistry. That's that's a little. I think Chim teaches biology. Yeah. yeah. And Buck could be in anthropology. That would be cool. Yeah, I could definitely see him in a soft science. I think Eddie would be engineering. Something hands-on. Yeah. Something physical. Yeah. <laughs> like mechanical engineering. Shop. This is this is well, colleges don't have shop. AU, not <laughs> high school AU. Um, man, the salt in this chat room is unreal. Okay, um, what would Hen teach? It would be like college level, university, professors. I think Hen. I think Hen would. Well, Hen and and Chim would probably be in the same department. Um, mm-hmm. I think I would want to give Athena women's studies. Yeah, I wouldn't take I wouldn't take Hen out of um um what feels like she's she's on the medical track in canon she's on track to be a doctor i wouldn't take her out of the uh, hard sciences and put her in soft science in fact i'd probably make like, her a doctor it's probably it feels oh. like a yeah phd it feels like a quite a departure no not pre-med if she'd that'd be a she'd be a student we're talking she'd have to be a i think i would put him um probably pretty high up in the department for um like uh like this like, like a science department like biology or um you put them uh, both, something in, like that. Yeah, you could put them both in bio- biology, and um, they just teach. I mean, Karen's literally a damn rocket scientist in canon, so we would definitely want to put her in some kind of engineering situation. Yeah, maybe maybe physics. She could teach physics, astrophysics. That'd be cool. No, I wouldn't make Athena an administrator. I mean, she has in canon. When you look at her personality, she has repeatedly turned down the opportunity to be a lieutenant, which would be an office position so that she can stay in the field. That speaks to somebody who wants to keep teaching, not yeah, I agree. Not be well, there's a difference between astronomy and astrophysics. Um <clears throat> we're saying something in the soft sciences, probably something like um sociology or anthropology or human sexuality. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that's one of the that's one of the sociology so you could teach he could teach several sociology classes and sociology of human sexuality is one Athena of them. could teach criminal justice that would be interesting but I like the idea of her being all in on like women's studies or you know some kind of history subject that'd be fun um Maddie 
Well, she's a nurse in Canada and works as a, dis- a dispatcher as well. Um, I mean, it's tempting to put her in biology with him and with with him and Chim, right? Uh, but you could put her in um, information science, uh, literature, English lit would be interesting. I am aware that there is non-faculty university staff, but I that wouldn't be why I wouldn't plot that. I would plot them all to be um, basically effectively peers to some degree because um, they're peers to some degree in canon i mean you plot what you like um if you want to plot some of them being tas or you want some of them to be um i'm not going to put every single character that exists in 911 into a slot but I mean, this is just something you could do um i I, just, I i would put eddie in like a mechanical engineering yeah so that's just something hands-on and um yeah, I would definitely say the engineering department. It's oh, it's gonna. I think for a lot of these characters, it's gonna feel a little bit like a departure because um, outside of like Karen and Hen, really, their their jobs are very away from the um, uh, university setting. I'd want to put them in a small private college. I went to a small private college. It creates a um, a very uh, tight knit community, and it. Uh, you see, like I saw, um, I mean, there were under a thousand students in my college, 1500 maybe on campus, and then maybe another 500 off campus, somewhere in that range. By the, by the time I graduated uh, college, um, somewhere in that range. But I think my, my beginning class of freshmen was like 600 students. And the seniors, the seniors that year were like 150 seniors because it, it was just a small college, um, a, a small private religious college to be exact which i know probably drives all you nuts like what are you serious yeah it could be why i'm an atheist to this day yeah i went to a liberal arts college but there was uh business it engineering um i uh psychology sociology uh anthropology library science uh i had a friend who was pre-med she was taking a biology degree at that school um so yeah yeah, and there were some math degrees as well. Then there was like uh, there was a master's program for adults, n- night students. They had several master's programs, and they were obviously working their way towards a university designation when I was there. And I think they did achieve it about ten years after I graduated. They went from a college to a university, and started to separate out into um, colleges. I mean, if you wanted to do like a um... You could do, if you wanted to do kind of like a crossover fusion type thing along with alternate setting, you could do into a fictional college that exists in another canon, like Numbers. Like, what do they call that college that Charlie taught at? Caltech. Caltech. Calci. Calci. Caltech is actually a school. So Cal, they could, like, mm. you do that. You could kind of model it on the departments that were in Numbers for Calci and then kind of figure out how to slot them. Because we, we, outside of what we picked for Athena, we basically picked science stuff anyway. Um, or if you wanted to um, have them be tight-knit like they are in canon, you would have to write them being all in the same department. Like, for whatever reason, they're all in the same physics department or they're all in the engineering department or whatever. I probably, if I were to write them all in the same department, I'd probably write them all in engineering. Um, 
but that could be like a fun little fusion to do it with Calci and Han. And then you could also use the numbers characters as well if you wanted to. Charlie's the head of the math department or whatever. We did. I, I read an alternate setting where Bobby ran a um, team um, of forest rangers. And Eddie joins the team um, as Buck's partner in the field. And they go out into the field and do some camping and do some, you know, nature um, monitoring and research. And they fuck a lot. <laughs> I have in the tent. I have not read that on the hood of the vehicle. <laughs> I've read, I've read a fair number of small town fire department AUs. Um, there's a fair number of those. Um, I don't remember the title. Um, I remember there being a reference to a field of flowers that actually exists in, like in California, like a it's protected, like the state flower, and there's a big giant field of them, and it's in it's a protected space. There are a lot of fields. You can't pick the California poppy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's a poppy. Um. But but that author had two different fix with that particular poppy field. Um. I think. I think there's you might read the one without the sex, but because there's one where they're both firefighters and and um Buck takes Eddie and Christopher to see the poppy field, and then there's one where Buck is a ranger, a forest ranger. Um, I think the poppies are in that one too. But they go out into the woods, out into the into the forest, and like catalog um, different species of plants. I think Buck is a botanist, um, and Eddie goes along with, and you know, because he's training, and they fuck a lot. <laughs> That's you know, I vaguely remember a story where they go. Oh, Eddie takes Buck to see a field of blue bonnets, um, which isn't, of course, in Texas. That's not California because blue bonnets, Texas flower. So yeah, I mean that's an alternate setting than being forest rangers. Um them being an SAR unit in Colorado would be an alternate setting. Yeah. It doesn't have to be any kind of like established alternate setting. You could make something up. You could have them be California smoke jumpers instead of being um uh, the 118. Um they could be um uh, if you want to keep them together as a team, you could put them I mean, you could put them in something a little closer to what they do already so that it feels more familiar, or it could be something that's wildly divergent. Like, academia is pretty wildly divergent. Um, Sky High AU would be very yeah. wildly divergent. Um, a team of ATF agents would be... Actually, that would probably be closer to... Because it would feel like a procedural. Um, I think that that would probably have a feel of familiarity to it. Um what kind of other alternates? I mean, you you pick pick a different environment, and I mean, I've seen stripper AUs, I've seen hooker AUs, I've seen um, mob AUs. There's all kinds of crime AUs. Like the crime AUs are pick a crime, and there's an AU for that kind of crime. Drug runners, um, particularly drugs. I don't know why drugs and gun running and that kind of thing seems to be popular, but mob AUs. Um, Giraffe. Yeah, you could drop them down in the leverage universe, make them the leverage team. That'd be interesting. I think we talked about that on a press. That feels familiar. Be gay, do crime. <laughs> well, one of the things Say, when it speaking of which, I read. I have to. I have a question to ask you, as a lesbian. Me? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I was reading on Reddit, and 
this woman said that she had to, um, that her mother-in-law threw her out of her house and she had like evicted her. But fortunately the town elder lesbian took her in. Now I have never heard of this, but what is an elder lesbian? I, I've never heard that. (laughs) Fanny says it's her mom. Their mom. Sorry, I'm not, I, I didn't mean to miss an uh, older lady lesbian. I mean, but I was thinking, wait, is that like when you did that thing where you took, where, where, where you had a bedroom for people? Were, were you an elder lesbian? I was like 12, so no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Her says it's an older queer who adopts baby queers in town. Uh, Margaret, that sounded, that is profane. <laughs> I don't know why that's profane, but it is. Well, I mean, what her said is obvious. You're going to give your toaster back, obviously. Well, what her said is like the obvious. This is a thing that does exist that there are. But I mean, but that what you were saying, it sounds like there was like a title in this town, the town's elder lesbian. Yeah, I've never heard it phrased that way before. So they also reminded me of lesbians who lunch. Lesbians who lunch. Anyways, I just, it just it, it popped into my brain. It still keeps reminding them that he's not a lesbian. <laughs> lesbian commissioners. <laughs> I don't want to tell her story because that would feel like I was talking about her trauma. So I don't want to talk about the, the, the Reddit post itself. It was just about the thing. The elder lesbian. The older lesbian. Um, so I don't want to actually talk about the actual post. That that would be ugly. The town. Um, the town's elder lesbian. The town's that's specifically, elder lesbian. I mean, for a town to have an elder lesbian. I mean, like, when I lived in San Francisco, if we had an elder lesbian, I really have no fucking clue who it was. Because <laughs> there are so many. <laughs> Maybe each neighborhood had one and you just didn't know. <laughs> um, so, but yeah. Anyways, I mean, I just, I didn't, the, the, the phrasing caught me off guard because I'd never heard that phrase before. Well, I was just suffice it to say, I mean, I have lived in places where the gay community helps out with, um, like, youth who are, who are kicked out of their homes or have no place to be. I mean, that's not, like, anything particularly new, um, but I certainly never lived in a town small enough to establish an elder lesbian. <laughs> but I may move to one and establish myself as the elder lesbian. <laughs> I think you probably should at some point. I think that's your duty as a lesbian. I think that probably is. This would absolutely be it. The forest ranger uh short the the, the for the forest ranger novel <laughs> is called In a Week by Gracie Lee. G-R-A-C-I-E-L-I. It's on um, AO3. Um, and it is, I really enjoyed it. I have not read that. A novel length. I, really enjoyed I, it. I mean, a, a 911 story I haven't read. I'm probably the elder lesbian on our server. I mean, I haven't taken a poll, but I'm just willing to go ahead and claim it. <laughs> well, you are an admin. That's so true. if anybody can claim a role, it's your, it's you. <laughs> Sid is going to get an an elder lesbian mug. (laughs) Anyways, um, 
I I think I'm gonna do an alternate setting, and um, uh, I I feel like that's the way I can challenge myself this year. Of course, I've already failed at that once, but we're gonna try again. <laughs> Are you have have you muted yourself again? I have not. I'm fixing something. Okay. There now now I'm fixed. Did you? <laughs> Y'all, she has put elder lesbian on her profile. <laughs> <laughs> I've claimed it. Mm. Uh, um, probably it. Lesbian activity. Um, that sounds really a lot dirtier than that mug would make you think it is. <laughs> Came out of Canadian politics. I, I don't even want. I, I I can't imagine how that happened. Probably not. We're not. We don't discuss politics. Um. <clears throat> Okay, so alternate setting. Um, I mean, I think that on the on the on the face of it, it's like alternate setting seems like it should be really easy. Like dump my characters down, but you really have to um, really reimagine your characters' life story, all of them, right? You can't just and you can't be really super locked into because I see people. I, I could see people get really rigid about canon, right? Like their interpretation of a character, and this is where it becomes important to figure out what the core of a character is, because like a core of a character isn't necessarily um, their superficial traits. Like, uh, like when we talk about like Bobby as a character, um, I do think nurturing is a core trait of his, but I wouldn't say cooking is a core trait necessarily. I mean, he might still cook, but I think being locked in on him being a cook is um, being overly focused on on an, how a, how traits manifest as opposed to the core traits themselves. So I do think he's inclined to be nurturing and caring. Um, and certainly, you know, guilt complex. Um, so you have to kind of reimagine the character if they've grown up in a different set of circumstances. And what does that set of core traits look like? And some characters, that's easier to interpret and extrapolate than it is others. And some characters, depending upon what their core traits are, they're going to transfer easier than others. Um, some characters are kind of like, I don't know, um, white bread you know once you strip away um the the stuff that was laid on them by canon there's just not we don't know much about them or what we do know about them is not something that's going to be easily uh relatable or easily it's not going to it's not going to portray easily we did a lot talking about this when we did the um, whole new world podcast the podcast for whole new world about how to put Mm -hmm. your characters in a whole new set of circumstances um like what's fundamental to your character and what can you let go of right so like we talked about at the time I remember we talked about that rodney is a character that is easier to put into a different set of circumstances because his sort of biting wit and his intelligence makes him easier to adapt it's very identifiable as a core trait right whereas john can get a little bit lost in translation if you're not careful because you take away his canon environment what 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 is core to John, and you got to figure that out. Um, and that's a, and it's one of those things. It's like one of the things I learned from that podcast we did back then is it's it's not really a constructive discussion. It's one of those things that every author has to interpret for themselves. Um, is how you see the character and what you see as their fundamental core traits, 
and how to translate that into a different setting. And also, I think one of the things that can also be a challenge with an alternate setting type situation is you don't necessarily have to take all the characters. Um, you don't have to transplant the entire cast into an alternate setting. You could, but you don't have to. You could have a very good reason why um, such and such character didn't come along. If you don't want to deal with Chimney, don't have him be there. He, I don't know, his his shop in the strip mall got bought out by a chain and he has moved to Hawaii. I don't, I don't know, just what's the reason? <laughs> Molly, you, God. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying I've never write it, so. Might as well plot it. Um, certainly would never write it. When it comes to movie 911 characters around, the peripheral characters um, outside of the team can sometimes become a problem. Like, what do you do with Christopher if you want to put um, Eddie and the team, like, on a starship? I guess it depends on which, which era, of, era of Star Trek you're working with, because in Next Generation, they allowed families on ships, um, but they didn't in the original. Yeah. And then even in Next Generation, they don't allow family on all ships. Uh, there was Constitution class and a couple other ones that had um, family quarters, but most of them um, were too small for it. So what do you do with Karen? Um, I would not alter Christopher in any single way, no matter where I put him. Because that's um, that's a form of ableism. So you have to work it around so that that's um, not considered, it's not even brought up as an option because it would get ugly. Where to, like, you have to let go of Eddie's grandmother too. What toe wiggling? In some characters you can you can slot into different roles. Um, like you could probably keep Carla Price. You probably keep Karen. Um, I mean, could but do you need to like you need carla um you can have carla moving like if you're like if you're oh no no i would definitely not write chris out you just gotta work it out you, you gotta work out how it happens so no absolutely not i mean the, really the whole point of writing i'm one is to write chris <laughs> but you can't get rid of the national treasure what's wrong that's with you what we would do i mean i can't imagine writing a story where i didn't have chris in it but you that it not having Chris in the story or not having him born yet is a viable choice. Um, I mean, there are people who write. There are I people mean, who write nine one one stories already where Christopher isn't even in them. He's mentioned like barely. Um, so you know, I mean, it's obviously, and I've read those stories. So it can be done. Um, actually, I don't. I I find story and just mention Chris to be annoying because I mean, I'd rather have him just not in the story at all than just side mentions of how you know especially when they mention how oh chris chris is so important and blah 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 they mention him and he's not in the story like what the fuck is the point well those little slices of life that you get sometimes where it's like just a sex scene you don't want chris in those no. <laughs> but yeah you need to know where chris is <laughs> if eddie's begging buck on the kitchen table you need to know christopher's not in the house well i think we have to assume he's not in the house <laughs> he's at a sleepover <laughs> <laughs> Though I hate it when they use the national treasure tag and he's not mentioned at all and he's not like he's not even in it. Like what? Why? Yeah. Why would you do that? Like they're tagging for it and then he's not even in the story. Um But you could do I mean you could have you could have Chris be living with 
you know, here's the thing. I actually find one of the things about both 911 Canon and 911 Fandom to be really frustrating is their attitude towards the military. As if Eddie choosing, if Eddie had chosen to be career military, that somehow that is not viable option like the only way for him to have a successful relationship is to leave the military in every story where buck that i've read where buck is in the military he has to leave in order to be in a relationship with eddie um it, it's almost like f between canon and fandom they're writing it that people in the military cannot have relationships or family and that's just utter nonsense um and so, bizarre you know eddie could be in starfleet and and see his child quite often and with the kind of communication technology that happens he could be talking to his kid every damn day um and his his you know isabel could be living at uh what was that station in the third, third reboot movie um at hugh um if you had to ask me it would have probably popped out of my mouth yorktown thank you Yor thank you um i mean well, there are deep space space stations that his family could be stationed on. Right. Yeah, that the one that's where Sulu met his family um, was at Yorktown. So, I mean, Christopher could be living it up at Yorktown with Isabel and um, and Eddie and and Bobby's ship could be based out of Yorktown and it's you know traveling to and from at various assignments and it comes comes you know it he's maybe gone for a week at a time and he comes back and he's back for 10 days and then he's out for a week and he's back for 10 days. I mean, there's ways to work it, but the idea Starfleet being analogous to the military of the idea that Eddie can't be a father to Christopher if he's in the military is, um, come on. It it's is ugly. ugly. It is. It's disrespectful to anybody. It, it's a disrespectful concept to anybody who's serving and, and, and as a parent. And the thing is, is that even like in canon, Eddie did not abandon his son. It is obvious that he spoke to Christopher as much as he possibly could while he was serving. And to compare him being in the military and serving his country in a combat zone to Shannon disappearing for three years and not taking their phone calls is disgusting. Yeah. But I think it's because of the way Cannon wrote Eddie's feelings about his military service or whatever that the whole thing about that. I think fandom has run with that and the idea that Eddie can't be a father or a husband or that he was a bad husband for re-upping in the military. And honestly, once he had a once he had a kid with CP and significant medical issues, um, being in the military was a responsible choice for him. It probably was devastating for him on the health insurance front that he was medically discharged. Yeah. Um, the only way I would say, the only reason that I would say that Eddie was not a good husband to Shannon was that, you know, that Helena and Ramon had to treat her like shit. Considering how they treat their own son. Imagine how they treated yeah. her. And it, he should have moved them away from El Paso. He may not have been a good husband because of how he failed to back her up and various other reasons, but it wasn't because he was in the military. No. Um, and those are probably, you know, honestly, those are in buttons. Uh, those are buttons that his parents installed before he ever met Shannon. Um, 
But I see I see that same trope perpetuated in stories where Buck's someone in the military. It's like they meet and then Buck has to get out of the military for them to have a successful relationship. And that's just ugly. It's a perpetuation of an ugly trope that they can't have a successful relationship if they're not both out of the military. Uh, children, dependence of military. Um, if Chris needed a surgery, he wouldn't get told no. Or it's going to cost you $10,000. It would be a surgery. They would find a specialist and they would get it done. Um, so having um, a child with CP, the medical system that is in place for the military would have been invaluable. And he would not have been waitlisted. And his medical needs would not have been decided in a committee by Medicare. Now, honestly, I think that Eddie should have moved Christopher and Shannon to California near her mother. His housing allowance would have allowed that to happen. It was clear that Shannon wasn't working. Yeah. And all the money was Eddie's. And if Eddie, we were talking about this earlier, considering the housing allowance that Eddie would have had for the first four years um, of his military service, he had probably practically bought a house in El Paso. If he put every bit of money that he was getting for a housing allowance into a house, um, and at his rank at first sergeant, if the housing allowance, he'd probably paid for a house. The house was paid for, and they were living in it. Staff sergeant, I think. Staff sergeant. But realistically, I mean, not realistically, but if Shannon had told him, and I don't know if she did, because we don't know what Shannon went through with his parents. But just imagining, just knowing how they treat him, I can't imagine them treating somebody who isn't even their blood any better. Um, Eddie was 30 when he was uh, medically discharged, right? Um, his age is not clear. Mm. That's about the age I interpret him to be. 29, 30. That, that's my, that's my headcanon, too. But... It was clear that Shannon didn't want to be a military wife. That is different than that Eddie was a fuck-up for being in the military. Should he have talked to his wife before he re-upped? Of course he should have talked to his wife. But if neither of yeah. them, honestly, they had a child with CP, and if neither of them had an avenue to get him health insurance, not re-upping would have been stupid. Yeah. Because just getting the... um the coverage available could have been very expensive and possibly not cover what he needed. By the time Christopher was seven, he'd already had three surgeries. That was only possible because Eddie was in the military. So the whole disrespect um, that's paid to Eddie's military service in mostly in fandom, but also honestly in canon is just nonsense. It's, it's, it's terrible. So I do think that it would have been a better move for him to, sell the house they had in El Paso. I, I, I do believe that they owned one. I, I just don't see how they couldn't have with that kind of um, housing allowance coming down. Plus plus, plus the base pay and his combat pay. So, and then moved her to California where her mother was. But I don't think that is a situation that Shannon could have done by herself with a disabled child, especially a disabled toddler. Because uh, Christopher was four when Eddie was medically discharged, right? No. Yes, four. Yeah, because he was discharged in 20... He yeah. was born in 2011, discharged... In, Christopher was born in 2011, and Eddie was discharged in 2015. So that's a... Uh, this woman is working her ass off, and her in-laws are hellbees. When exactly he enlisted is not clear, um, but he served five to six years. 
We know he re-enlisted shortly after Christopher's birth, right? Uh, no. The, so it's somewhere. I mean, I don't. I don't think he that that actually doesn't make a lot of sense. That timeline doesn't make sense that he enlisted when she got pregnant, because otherwise he would have been discharged. So, I mean, and and I don't want to argue with the timeline because the NCI. I mean, the nine one one timeline is a hot mess. But yeah, it is. He a hot served mess. at least <clears throat> five years, and. So it, it's possible that he enlisted when she got pregnant, but that doesn't actually make a lot of sense. No, because he would have just been at the end. No, I feel like he was. I want to say personally, from my head, Ken, that he was already in the army when that when she got pregnant, and that he re-enlisted after Christopher was born without discussing it with her. Yeah, that's that's my interpretation. Um, but you know. Your your headcanon is your own to manage because their timeline their is timeline for shit. is for shit, but the only <laughs> time that the the date that I take the age I take that is gospel for is that when we meet when we first see Christopher in season two, Eddie says his kid is seven, which means Christopher cannot possibly be six when Eddie gets out of the military. That makes so that was a mistake. In, and in season five, in Wrapped in Red, Christopher is 10. So that is consistent with Christopher being seven in season two. So therefore, Eddie Begins is the anomaly. Anyway. So, mm, but none of that would really have play in an alternate setting. Because you would want to rework the background of all your characters. Yeah, I threw that all that stuff about the military out there because the idea that Eddie can't serve on a starship and have Christopher is 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 it's falling down into that same mentality that Eddie can't be in the military and be a father. And there are people in the military. I, he can have Christopher, but he can't have he can't have Christopher with him on the ship, depending the on ship, the ship. Right. Um, just don't. But yeah. I, I would just you know say just don't fall into that mentality that Eddie can't be in some kind of military or military-esque position and be a, be a good father because that is I find that, I find that to be toxic thinking. I mean, yeah, because like there are several different classes of ships in Star Trek that allow for families to travel with them. Um and you can have Christopher, Eddie and Shannon on the same ship sharing custody and divorced. So I mean, if you, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to plot, we don't want to talk about Julie's idea because then, you know, some asshole will come along and write it for her before rough trade. Look at Lady Holder just being a badass in the Navy. Um, <clears throat> Star Wars would be interesting because you could do a planetary based um, AU, alternate universe, alternate setting. Um, and of course, since we are doing a fusion, you could do a Sentinel in April. And then you could turn around and do it again in July, if you wanted to. Honestly, you could do it all year. What's the theme for November? Canon Divergent. Yeah, I mean, you could do it. Mm -hmm. Can you do a Canon Divergent where you're already? I don't say you can do it. I don't put say them you can in a unless fusion? you do that whole Sentinel emergence, which we've talked about. I would never do because I'm not a I'm I'm not that kind of masochist. <laughs> What's the? <laughs> I didn't think you were any kind of masochist. <laughs> well, I, I okay, okay. So, oh, actually, you could do the Sentinel. Wait, okay. In November, it's either Canon Divergent or New Dimension. So, <clears throat> um, 
if you were super creative, you could probably do a series next th this year and use the same. I mean, I don't know. I, I find it kind of mind-boggling. No, I, no, no. I, I don't see how you can do Fusion, The Sentinel, and then Canon Divergence in the same year. But November is Canon Divergence or A New Dimension. Well, true. So, depending on your fandom, like if it were, if you were, if you were a Harry Potter Sentinel Fusion for April, and then carried it through to July, and then dumped your characters in an alternate dimension in November, you could do a series work this year. I'm not suggesting you do anybody do that. I'm just saying that it could be done. If like if anybody that, but we went down this path in the event that anybody really wanted to write the Sentinel all year, but. Yeah, because we've already tried to do the Sentinel all year, and that didn't work out for us, did it? Well, we didn't enjoy it, but I think it was just a... If it, <laughs> if it had been a different year, it might have been better, but it was 2020. In the conception, it was beautiful. In the execution... It well, was it, was just, it was just a bad stressful. year. It was a bad year for to be writing Sentinel all year. It was a badly written it year. Was. <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't enjoy it. <laughs> she go. <laughs> the very clarified point she made wasn't. Well, we didn't enjoy it. It's like maybe somebody right. did, <laughs> but it wasn't us. <laughs> <clears throat> well, <laughs> my 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 mind went to a terrible place. What terrible place did it? <sighs> well. They said, please tell me what happens when you enjoy it. I don't want to. <laughs> That's personal That's power right. stuff. That's right. It's your fucking business. <laughs> but, <clears throat> I just, I actually cannot believe I, I haven't already zero drafted. And it's really, um, I'm kind of uncomfortable. Personal private time. That's right. I went over to um, private chat and uh, let Azure know that you guys missed her. And she appeared. The wild Azure appeared. I have no idea what these assholes are talking about in the chat room. I feel like I feel like they're having an entirely different conversation from me. I don't know what they're talking about either. Yeah, I'm I thought lost. so. Okay, so this is about let's wrap up April. Fusions and alternate settings. You're gonna do an alternate setting. Are you also gonna do a fusion? Or are you me are you gonna do two stories? You're gonna do one story. I feel like I'm only going to do one story because I have something percolating in the back of my mind that I don't want to share um, but I feel like it could be upwards of 50k so mm -hmm. either way my goal for the month is 40k um, ish is it 20k or 25k what's the minimum uh, for April the month? is usually I we changed it you, you mess with me I can't remember 25k Senna's saying so I think that my goal for April is going to be 50K. Since I'm only doing one story, I'm, I'm going to go for 50. Which, you know, is yeah. very doable. I was telling them before you got here that I had gone over 40K for Honey Trap. Really? Well, hell. Mm -hmm. No. I've got my last three... Um, I've got six plot points left. And I've sectioned them out where I want them to pee in the chapters. I think I'm going to round out at 10 chapters. And I'm on chapter 7 and I'm at 40K. And that so. that's your kit. That's your canon. I think that's one for Big Moxie, yeah. <clears throat> but I, I yeah, I am I am gonna go with an alternate setting, and I'm probably gonna just do one story because 
I mean, just finding one idea is, has been difficult. I don't think anybody has the right to expect me to get to. Well, normally I would probably <laughs> try to do two, but it's April, which is going ramping up on the Quantum Bang. That's that's when the administrative work is really hectic on the Quantum Bang is April and May. And I mm -hmm. need to go easy on myself. So You just gave me an I earworm. Gave you an earworm? What? What what earworm? Yeah, you said go easy, and I immediately went, oh, go easy on the me. Little River Band. Oh, that's take it. No, easy Adele. On me. Different, different. Yeah, is little it? River Band, take it easy on me. Is it? Yeah. Adele's. It's a completely different thing. I was clearly in a. I'm clearly in a slightly drugged headspace. <laughs> They're yeah, legal. It's called cold medicine. <laughs> Julie has the batu flu. <laughs> I do have the batu flu, <laughs> but it, I do. I don't have the plague, so it's good. I mean, most people come back from Disneyland or with like you know mouse ears. I got those too, <laughs> of course. Oh, you did? Okay, okay. I got the mermaid ears. They have up. They have up their game you? on the on the Minnie Mouse ears at Disney. I mean, it's it's impressive. So they got little mermaid sequins or something. Mermaid sequins. Okay, is it like an ombre? I don't understand what my oh, ears are. Um, <laughs> I can hide a picture. Of that. that is. I um like um. Is there a tail? Phoenix wants. I think that uh, going into rough trade that uh, especially think, for April we're going to work. We're that you gearing can up buy for these on bang. Amazon. Go ahead. Like utterly bizarre. Um, I mean that's weird because it should just be like a, something you can only buy at Disney. I, probably what it is is people are buying them at Disney and then reselling them on Amazon, which is odd. Mm. But these are the ones that I bought. But you know, if I had a kid and I had bought them some aerial ears and then they lost their aerial ears and they flipped their shit, I'd be really relieved that Amazon sells well, them. Fair point. No, it's the Disney Shop. Disney brand yeah, Shop those Disney. Are the ones I got They're green and purple. Those are really cute. They have a little mermaid on the side. That's adorable. Mermaid hair don't what? Care. <laughs> that is really cute. I can't speak to whether or not these are authentic. I can only tell you the ones I bought at Disneyland are authentic because I bought them at Disney. Oh god. Um <clears throat> they are very cute though. I'm making a point on Amazon, though. This is just me personally to not buy anything that's not Prime lately because it's difficult. Even the stuff that's Prime, it, it's taking forever to get there. You know, at least with Prime, it doesn't take well, six fair months. Point. Well, so I'm not sure if I'm going to do a fusion yet or if I'm going to do an alternate setting. I think, in a lot of ways, alternate setting would be easier depending upon the alternate setting. Um, some alternate settings you could be really f making a challenge for yourself, but depending upon the fandom, you could do something that's sort of. A, a good a close mirror of your fandom and try setting them down in that chat in that setting um um but i'm so I, I have no idea which way which one i'm gonna wait and see if i which idea i get that feels the most interesting um when april rolls around or when actually when march rolls around yeah yeah because march because the science will be from March 1st to March 15th yeah. as, as normal. Um, but yeah, I think that one idea is going to serve me in April because we do have a lot of things going on with the Quantum Bang. Yep. And Moxie will be um, posting in, in March. And... Yeah, at the end of March is our first big Moxie post. Um, but I'm almost done with my 
big moxie entry. So I'm really relieved that I had something in my works in progress that would work. Although honestly, my bread and butter is canned divergence. So it'd be really weird if I didn't have at least one. <laughs> I kind of thrive yeah, on that especially shit. some fandoms, canon divergence is, you know, definitely right where I live. I can't see me writing anything but canon divergence in 911. Um... No, I, I I definitely could see myself writing some AU situations, but but a, a well, canon canon divergent. Yeah, AU canon divergence, but no, mm, no, canon no divergence canon. is um the type of AU, obviously. But I don't understand the whole canon compliant stuff. That basically is writing stuff that just slides underneath canon. I just if I was that attached to canon, I would just settle for the show. Right. I don't. The only thing worse. Then the sliding under canon and existing there in that little pocket are the ones who just retail canon. I mean, come on now. If I want to read canon, I mean, I don't want to read canon. I'll just go watch the show right. where all the pretty is. It's aw it's awful. It's awful because, seriously, there must be like a thousand retellings of the Order of the Phoenix on fanfiction.net. I don't understand why they do that. They'll be like, oh, Harry Potter was raised by such and such. But then everything happens in canon the exact same way. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to diverge, diverge. Do something. I mean, even if you diverge narrowly, um, because some things, like especially in a contemporary setting where there's a lot of external forces, like, you know, crime and tsunamis and natural other natural disasters, those external forces are still going to happen if you keep your characters in the same geographical area. But why do you, why just have the same stuff like i i can't tell you how many tsunami stories i've opened up and then closed because it's just actually literally retelling the tsunami as as it as it happened i i saw the episode i don't need to i don't need it written less well <laughs> right i'm not trying to be insulting but less well not competently <laughs> you were not generally competent when you wrote that <laughs> I'm never going to live down generally competent. There's nothing better I can say about if I tell if I say somebody's already is generally competent, just take it as the big old compliment that it is. <laughs> I do actually consider it a compliment. She's yeah, a very, very picky, picky. I'm super reader. Picky. Now the retelling of like a book it can be considered plagiarism yes uh because the thing about fan fiction in order for fan fiction to be protected as fan fiction it has to be transformative yeah if and I, retelling got a more book a few lines of dialogue and i would say you, you gotta the dialogue needs to be really necessary and that there's a reason why it's completely unchanged because usually if you change the you know the impetus at all the dialogue is not going to come out exactly the same but like um like there's some dialogue that i understand why no matter what how the circumstances would change that it kind of would almost come out exactly the same way um but other dialogue it doesn't make sense that it, it would just be literally the same thing over and over again and especially when you're like reading harry something harry potter and it's just the books it's just dialogue straight from the books oh and please don't give me the sorting hat song straight from the book Please don't give me a sorting hat song at all. Please don't give me a sorting hat. <laughs> I don't want a sorting hat song. Just say the hat song. It's fine. We get it. We understand. I remember the book. I remember the sorting hat <laughs> song. I... We don't need it again. I promise. 
the shopping trip, the at least the shopping trips on the one, at least they're not straight from the book. The sorting hat songs often are straight from the book. It's like, look, unless the sorting hat throws down like LL Cool J, I don't want to hear it or read it or see it. Greg, that had better be some really fucking amazing trunk if you're going to be 15,000 words. Although 15, I have to say, words. of all the things that Harry <laughs> shops for, I'm always the most entertained by him shopping for trunks. Because when he's shopping for clothes, <laughs> I am so bored. It's like he's buying socks and he's buying drawers and he's buying, I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> and then he goes and buys paper and he buys, you know, quills and he buys just, just buy I'm all like, quit listing it I'm thinking to the author you're listing shit I'm going to remember that he didn't buy something later and Harry's not going to have it and you're going to be screwed <laughs> <laughs> right Greg he gets muggle pens and notebooks because he's clever right <laughs> I I did do a shopping trip in um, my recent Harry Potter fic on um, Rough Trade Harry goes to the grocery store. That one's good. I'm, I'm, I'm down for Harry going shopping for sex toys. We could have that shopping trip. That grown-up Harry, of course. Different. Yeah, grown-up Harry. I can see her stack of Oreos from here. Yeah, and since I've been sick, I haven't been eating any Oreos. So they're, you know, they're just mocking me from the kitchen. My husband bought me some dark chocolate ones. I know. I wonder what he's up to, too. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> yeah right it's like i don't know what you're doing but i already disapprove i think that you know coming into to april um that if you're participating in quantum bang and you're participating in the big moxie and a lot of you are we had 87 signups for the big moxie it's really great we have a lot of time people people working their asses off in the quantum bang um you need to you know if it starts to get overwhelming, take a look at what you're doing and make sure that you're not over challenging yourself. And also remember that the minimum word count for the Big Moxie is just 5K. You don't gotta be a dumbass like me and bust out 50. It wasn't even on purpose because honestly, if I was plotting today to write a Canon Divergent for the Big Moxie, my goal, my maximum would be 15K. I would not be trying to throw out a novel for my first Big Moxie if I had, didn't already have most of it written. Yeah, because the problem is now you got to edit it. Blech. Right. So I haven't decided which one I'm going to do, a fusion or alternate setting. I may try to do a hybrid of the two. That could be... Um... Well, that sounds ambitious as well. Well, if I did the Star Trek thing, that might be both alternate setting and a fusion. Um... Mm, true, true. Or at least sort of a hybrid of it kind of thing. I don't know. But, um... Hey, Rogue, have you tried journaling? Hmm. Have you tried answering questions? Because when I was younger, when I was going through a dry spell, I would ask myself a series of questions about whatever I wanted. Just, just, just a series of questions. And then um, I would answer those questions. And a lot of times it would try to, it would help me get over the hump. But sometimes stress and life and etc just makes the words difficult 2020 yeah yeah the world's hard 2020 the year that never ended it just went on and on and on and on take three third time's the charm not fucking be i don't know what would be charming <laughs> about this shit 
man, we don't even have Betty. I cried. I, I did too. I, I legitimately just, cried. I couldn't I was, deal. I couldn't deal. <sighs> there was um, a uh, billboard down from my street that had a po- that had a picture of Betty White, and uh, it said "Thank you for oh. being a friend" on it. And oh, I was crap. like crying in traffic. <laughs> Somebody tweeted that she waited till she could take twenty twenty one with her, and I went. <sighs> Somebody could take a dumpster fire out with her on their way. That would be Betty White. Right. Yeah, I agree with you, As This game of Jumanji, I've had enough. It's gotten way out of hand. But I think that you can um, mix these two together. And that was the whole point when we were putting these themes together. These, these themes together was to try to pull themes together that could be used at the same time um somebody mentioned roll the dice and it's about rogue rogue this is one of the things i did once when i was actually i've done it more than once when i was utterly stopped on writing like just like couldn't i did like something very short with somebody and like all the decisions were made by dice it was a little bit D D kind of thing but you know we 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 uh like pick three fandoms right and wherever the dice come up in this range is this fandom in this range is this fandom this range is this fandom and we just everything was just chosen by chance right um and the writing part of it was not it was weird it was like it was obviously skill based and memory based like i know how to write but the the creative choices were being made by chance right it's like well okay so we're at this decision point and these are the things that could happen um, well, we're going to assign dice value to the possible outcomes, roll the dice. All right, that's what we're going to write. And then just, that's what we did. And the story wound up a little weird, but it was still a lot of fun. There are also, there are also spin the wheel things. You can like load up on the area. You can like put all your fandoms in it, tro- a list of tropes and, you know, just kind of spin and get um, answers to kind of like prompt yourself. Yeah, a lot of those magazines celebrating Betty's 100th birthday were already printed before she died. So they went out. Yeah, I know I knew what you meant, Zena, about Jumanji, but I was talking, picking up the thread of, of the conversation about Rogue and um, it that sparked a memory about the whole dice thing. So obviously it was a tangent, but I did know what you meant. <laughs> well, no, because she still had her birthday on leap years. She just celebrated it on a different day from her leap from from if no because she wouldn't have been born on a leap year. I mean, if she was born on a leap year because she was her birthday is in January, isn't the leap day in February? I don't, I don't know. I right. Don't so that doesn't make any sense. Thing. Oh, you're saying because of the occasional extra day in the year that she was already a hundred? That's really nitpicking in a very strange way. Except, except that. The leap year, that leap year thing no. is about aggregating extra, um, the extra time. Um, so it's, she's really not, I mean, that, that, it no. really doesn't quite work. It, it's, but in any case, let's, that's a bizarre thing to rattle on as to whether or not we're actually all a few days older than we think we are. We're not. That, that leap year, leap year day exists for a reason. <clears throat> the podcast digresses. <laughs> Just half the pocket, just head tilting. What? <laughs> but will digresses. I uh, earlier in the year, um, 
I know that there's been a lot of like fandom issues lately, especially in 911 with uh, you know gatekeeping and people trying to um, tell you what you can and cannot write. Um, and as we're going into these challenges this year, you know the, the Big Moxie and the Quantum Bang and Rough Trade, you know please keep in mind that all of our environments are protected, and if you want to write on. Um, Wild Hair Project, you're, you're welcome to. Um, and we don't allow that kind of bullshit behavior on the Quantum Bang, on Rough Trade, or on the Wild Hair Project. Uh, and I will ban somebody's ass so hard, their mother will question them. There's also been, I mean, there's been a rise in gatekeeping around um, what characters and how you have to interpret the character. You know, it, whether or not you're allowed to like or dislike minor characters, um, you know, which I think is bizarre. I mean, it's one thing to see gatekeeping around main cast, but to see people getting really bent over whether or not you like a minor character is who's been in like maybe six episodes is just crazy kicks in my opinion. It's happening. But a lot of that is that um, there's a lot of people sometimes in these fandoms that are new to fandom and they've never they don't have any kind of experience and they think it's okay to just come in and tell everybody else what to do. And they're going to fans playing their way into making sure you understand how much they want you to do what they want. <sighs> Did you see her bragging about having chocolate? I have chocolate too, but I might puke on my chin. That's chocolate true. is good I for your cold. It would be good for my cough if I ate. Yeah. That's just bragging knots. You know what knots? You just earned yourself. Where, where are the roles? Is she already I'm in sure it? She's in this event all the time. She is. She is already. Okay, never mind. If I could add you a second time, I would. Maybe I should just start away from them as a punishment. But I, th I think they enjoy being in it and removing it. Just put everybody in it and then remove everybody who's <laughs> pissing me off. We can't put everybody in the Sin Ben Hall of Fame mm -hmm. because there's like a thousand people who've done absolutely nothing, you know. <laughs> That would be. That would be funny, though. They come like, why am I the Sinbin Hall of Fame? You know what you did. No, Senna, you're not the Sinbin <laughs> Hall of Fame. I don't think you are. No, you're not. You're just in the Sinbin. You made your first trip. You gotta be especially heinous to get in the Sinbin Hall of Fame. Peeps. Usually involves peeps. <laughs> the inappropriate use of peeps. I, but when I come about fandom gatekeeping and, um, and I, I know how stressful it can be when you've got somebody hammering on you for um, doing something you enjoy. And they make you feel like you're not entitled to enjoy your own work. I get it. On a level I wish I didn't. Yeah, as this is Sinna's first night in Sinbin. Yeah. I mean, the whole gatekeeping thing and how you interact how you have a, have to interpret a character's interaction i do think to some degree some of the early um people attempting to be abusive and gatekeep the the ones who are being really abusive i from what i can tell they've kind of at least toned down there maybe they got tired i don't know but um or maybe them having to live <laughs> in a tent at the edge of the parking lot be Nobody wanted. Maybe nobody, nobody thought that their behavior was the right way to handle the situation. Because if you don't agree with how somebody is writing a character, don't read their stories. It isn't rocket science. You still have the right to abuse right. somebody else for your own beliefs. Right. That's that's fundamental. It, it it's a very simple equation. If you don't like the way somebody approaches a character, don't 
read their writing. It's not complicated. And yet they would say they were blocking these authors they didn't like and then go out and still read their writing. I don't know. How do you block an author and read their writing? I don't understand that equation right there. That thinks of some lying going on. Um, but then there has been some more subtle gatekeeping that's been coming up about, you know, um, as people latch on to other characters to like or dislike or whatever, there's been a lot of uh, like almost like polite fandom wars about, well, you have to like this character or how dare you interpret their actions this way. Or, you know, I get I mean, people just having these big old rants because people don't appreciate this character the way they think they should, or there's not enough. Um, somebody had a big old rant because um, they're a real big fan of a minor character, a very minor character on 911. And this character is you know, you know, you know what people tag on AO3. If a character sneezes in mm. a story, that character or gets mentioned, that character is going to get tagged, right? And so they were infuriated that this minor character is getting tagged in all of these Buck Eddie stories that are about Buck and Eddie, and that this character is barely in them. And it's like, and they're really angry about people's bad tagging etiquette. And it's like, boy, you're new here, aren't you? I too am very anger angry about bad tagging etiquette, but mostly it's about them right? having two hundred and fifty five thousand tags. I'm sitting there reading this little rant and going, "You're new, aren't you?" <laughs> because this has been a problem since the inception of AO3 is that the lack of any kind of standardization in how people should tag has made tagging fundamentally useless. Um, because if if you want one of the more popular tags on AO3 <laughs> right. is I don't know how to tag. But if you want to read a story about, um, let's say you like make, right? Let's it's say you want to read a May Grant yeah. focused story. It is really hard to actually find the May Grant focused story because she's tagged in every story that she appears in, right? Um, so it's a, uh, but it it it's a weird form of. It, it's interesting people kind of rant and then people get really bent about like, well, you know, how dare you tell me how to tag my story? It's like, no one's telling you how to tag your story. They're expressing their opinion that people don't tag well. It's a silly opinion because we all know people don't tag well, but there's no point in one or two people tagging better. You're never going to be able to find the stories through tagging that focus on a minor character ever. It's just not going to happen. AO3 is not set up for that. You're only ever going to be able to find those through recs, right? That's what rec lists are for and collections or whatever. Um, but this is one of those situations where people get offended that other people have opinions. And then they get bent and then they express, you know, well, I don't like this character anyway. So who cares if they, you know, I don't even want them on the show. You know, and it's like, well, I don't think you have a right to dislike this character. I don't have a right to dislike this character. That's interesting language. That's really interesting language. That's I mean, you. I didn't like this character before. I mean, I had no opinion about this character before, but I've started to dislike them based upon your shitty attitude. So, and we've talked about on another podcast that I, my anger at Chimney on season five probably would have fizzled out by now if it wasn't for the behavior of fandom. Yeah. If you see the tag, dead dove don't eat. Bitch, don't read. <laughs> Although one of the things I've learned about the 911 fandom is that they don't, that, that there's a bunch of fucking newbies to fandom and don't have a fucking clue what anything means and they just randomly use shit. If they think, if there's a, the dead dove don't eat yeah. in 
a 911 story might literally mean that there's a dead dove in the story. Dead dove don't eat means um, you're going to get exactly what I'm telling you you're going to get. Uh, it's like this, what you see is what you get. You can look at the other tags and if they're warning for character murder and torture, right? It's that is it exactly what you're going so to get. So if I'm warning you that the story is awful. So like there was a story that said um, dead dove don't eat and it was the tag that alarmed me with dead dove don't eat was hurt no comfort. And I went, no, no. No, no, no. Take it seriously. They mean it. Which is why bitch don't read. <laughs> yeah. And especially with the 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 wumpers take are, are very serious actually in 911. So if they're tagging something um hurt no comfort, they they, they really mean it. <laughs> the first time I ever saw Dead Dev Don't Eat it was in the Hannibal fan. You would and I think went, Whoa. that'd be the whole fucking fan <laughs> but actually in Hannibal when someone when somebody tags something dead dove in no. Hannibal, <laughs> that is like that is possibly one of the worst things in hand hand fiction. <laughs> it's like oh that's like that's like next level. I don't. I see the thing about me in fan fiction is that I write to make myself happy. I like romance and I like things to be happy and I like babies and I like I like the idea of Evan Buckley having a baby and just I want things to be happy and beautiful and I would like to buy the the Battle of the Five Armies to end fast. <laughs> And so I don't want to read no. terrible things. I mean, if <laughs> I just don't. I write something to kind of like purge something ugly, you know, that I'm feeling. But that's rare. And I still try to give it some, usually try to give it some kind of happy ending. Although that one thing I kind of wrote fiddled with that I never went anywhere with it because I was making myself. I mean, I had nowhere to go with Tony's dead. I, whatever. I did read the conclusion to the Buck is Kidnapped fic, yes. There's a Buck is Kidnapped? What are we talking about? Um, there's a fic on 911 on AO3 that was recently updated to finish. It's a little over 70k. Um, told in seven parts. And uh, Buck gets kidnapped. The, instead of the sniper sniping people, he's kidnapping first responders and killing them. And Buck is the third one to get kidnapped he's kidnapped from a scene and bobby calls 911 and says um, my firefighter's missing and they're like what in the building he's like no someone took him <laughs> and um he gets tortured and Buck is killed um he escapes no no but he tortured he tortured and killed the first two first responders that he got um and then he tortured buck but buck got free and um buck ends up I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but also I'm not sure if it's tagged appropriately. Susan, is it tagged appropriately for... I'm going to send you a text message. I'm going to send you a DM. Well, the thing about angst in the 911 fandom is everybody in that fandom tags their shit for angst, and about 90% of them don't have any clue what that means. They basically mean they basically mean canon. Yeah. Which is true. And there is a lot of so angst I'll give them in that. canon. So... Yeah, canon level so, angst mean, is practically a, a threat to me between a story having angst, like their their own plot, versus them working with canon angst. You know, because Susan's getting a link and she's also checking the tags, um, because I don't want to uh, 
I don't want you guys to go into that unprepared because I want to make sure something is tagged and you probably need to read all the tags. Um, beyond just the torture, which is not, it's it's not great. You need to be in a good mental place when you can, read it. Can you this dude's not, not nice to Evan Buckley. I usually do when I read anything. Yes. Anything like yes, you can skim the torture. I skimmed it. I I would go in, read, and skip down, skip down, skip down until until it was over. So, um, but even where I skimmed was not was a lot for me. Um, but I yeah. have a very low tolerance for torture. Susan might have, have a different a opinion. Um, but there is one thing that if I had known, if I had seen this tag, and I'm not sure that tag was was originally there, if it's there now, I probably would not have read the fic. So I want to. Um, Susan's checking for me. So we'll we'll come back to that, um, but because I don't remember the title, but it was recently finished and I and I did read it. Susan has returned. Do you have a link, Susan? It's called "Come Then and Be Broken" by Unintentional Genius. It has a tag for long-term disability and disability, and I think that in stories that feature Christopher Diaz, that's that's not. It's not enough considering what happens in the story. So I think it also probably needs a permanent injury and permanent um, character disability because uh, Buck does not come out of the um, the situation um, capable of going back to his job. Well, that's horrifying. I mean, he's he's whole. It isn't like he lost a body part, but um, he can't go back to being a firefighter. So if I had known that, I probably would not have read it. I don't tend to read that kind of that level of torture and injury. Yeah, that tag wasn't there either, Phoenix. The, the, the first time I picked it up, because I probably wouldn't have read it <laughs> if it had been there. Um, I don't think I would have read it if it had been there. But also, sometimes, and I'm gonna be perfectly honest, and it's not a good trait, and I don't recommend it. Sometimes tags frustrate me, and I skip them if there's a lot of them, and I shouldn't do that to myself. But uh, it has a relatively happy ending, besides the whole job thing. But I do think I probably should pay more attention to the tags. Um, the writing is solid. Uh, the content can be a little upsetting. So I'm not downing the author at all. It's, you know, um, I read the whole thing, um, and, and the writing is is on point. Um, it's just it's the the content is very heavy. Well, the fandom is particularly devoted to Buck Wump, so. Yeah, it's like he's, uh, they, they pick on Buck the way NCIS picked on Tony in the, in the, in the old days, in the old school days. Remember when, when, it, when, when Tony would get kidnapped yeah. and broken into 55 pieces <laughs> and then, and then he'd be perfectly okay a week later. Although some of those fix that had Tony, you know, the Tony Wump, where it was absurd, but he was being a badass, you know. Um, <laughs> he's got a broken, he's got a compound right? fracture in his leg, but he is running. It's like, well, okay, <laughs> right? Do you know what a compound fracture is? Possible, but all right. I don't think you do. <laughs> Adrenaline does not work that way. I'm gonna be perfectly honest. If I had a compound fracture, I'd probably be unconscious. And I have a particularly high pain tolerance. I rarely ever take more than a couple of pain pills with a surgery. Usually that's just to sleep the first two days. And then I don't take them anymore. I mean, my pharmacist has gotten more narcotics back from me. They, they, they probably don't even know what to do with me. Because the last time I took a prescription back to the pharmacist, he was like, you know, these don't expire for a year. 
And I'm like, yeah, but I don't need them. He says, it's just rare for somebody to turn in Oxycontin. <laughs> I was like, what do you want me to do with them? He goes, oh, it was fine. Maybe I'll take them. <laughs> I don't see. I, I just. Honestly, I don't know that pain pills, pain pills work that way for me. I don't, I don't get euphoria or any feel good notion out of it. And once there's no pain or once there's, I have fibro, so I live with a certain amount of pain every single day. So for me to medicate, I have to be, I mean, I will say probably my nine on the pale scale would be on the pain scale would be your 15. That's how off my pain is because I've had fibromyalgia for so long and I developed such a high pain tolerance. And also, to be perfectly honest, I'm a masochist. So some level of pain has never bothered me at all. And some kinds of pain really do it for me. It just depends on my mood and the, and the place. But it's probably too much information, but when I was younger, I could have an orgasm from getting my ass smacked. Well, that could have been an awkward situation. Okay, well. <laughs> Not that like... young, but after puberty. All right. Wait, did you have orgasms well, before puberty? not really. I mean, I, I set my first orgasm pretty young, but puberty for me started when I was eight, so. Oh, wow. I, I was 12, basically-ish. 11 or 12. I mean, I started getting tits around 11. I started when I was eight. So, yeah, 11 or 12. And, um, I set my period um, when I was 11, I think. Well, so, I, oh I mean, my, if, if breast development oh my God. I mean, I might have worn a bra when I was eight, but I didn't need one. I just wanted to wear one. You know what I mean? You know, those, those little cute pullover bras. They, you buy little girls that don't actually do anything. I had those when I was eight. But then I went straight from a training bra to a to a C cup when I was 12. So I don't even think I pursued an orgasm until I was like 11 or 12. This is probably not an appropriate podcast topic. <laughs> The boob fairy. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely digressed. Um, so you must have had serious back problems by the time you were like 13 or 14 years old. Jillian, are you muted again? She keeps leaving me. No, I, my my connection reset. I wasn't muted. I could hear my connection reset. All of a sudden, it's like Discord oh. just went, what? No, I, <laughs> I had um, So you think you don't love us anymore. Issues. <laughs> Young. I remember having shoulder problems mm. by the time I was 12, for sure. Yeah, but I wore little training bras that I didn't actually need up through, like, say, take 10. And then I needed, like, um, I went from that, like, over summer, I, I was basically in a C-cup. It was unreal. Like, boom. Yeah, it was, it, I, my boobs developed, obviously, obviously very, if, if you consider breast development as the, as the onset of puberty, then puberty for me began at, at eight. Um is it though? I don't know if it. I mean, no, I, I so. thought I mean, so. That's, that's a sign the is hormones it? has changed, right? Right. Yeah, I have some stretch marks on my tits too from the rapid growth. When I was younger, though, I kind of, I was kind of embarrassed about them. But you know what I figured out? Men don't give a shit about stretch marks on your tits when they're when they're this big. <laughs> no, they don't care at all. I remember when I the stretch marks I had when I was a kid, when I was younger, I was like, I was like horrified by like how vivid they were. But by the time my breasts were finished growing, it's like they were like those silvery white lines. You couldn't even really see them. They're basically the same shade as my skin. So, you know. Yeah, mine are 
I, yes, I'm looking at my tit right now. Just the top. Yeah, mine are more... They they blend in now. Yeah. yeah. But when I was younger, they were really ugly and red. Um, Training bras, it depends on the girl. Because um, she needed a padded bra at 11. She didn't really didn't have public. Fairly large nipples. And so her mom put her in bras to hide because her nipples were just always hard. And to this day, she still wears a padded bra because her nipples are always hard. <laughs> and they're like as big as a Playtex nursery. Yeah, I mean, I remember I had, I knew you know a baby girl um, who, she wasn't developing her breasts very quickly, but her nipples developed very fast. Um, and the same thing, she basically wore a bra. This is before there were a lot of padded bras, because the kind of bras we have now would be a lot more appropriate with the, you know. Um, but she basically wore a bra for nipple control. Not because she needed any kind, which is really deeply unfortunate because I, I would say just deal with the nipple. Just let the nipples be, you know, um, because it's not for, you know, I, to have to wear a bra before you need to wear a bra. I, she, I'll be like, girl, you got a lifetime of that bondage. Don't get into it before you have to. I had a cousin who had really dark nipples, like almost like blood red nipples and she would wear bras to cover that up because in some of her shirts it would show through she had small tits i mean she was like a, a b cup she really didn't need to wear a bra for the size but she wore one to help cover up her nipples because any um, any shirt of all practically any color that was thin they, they were they were so dark they would show through yeah um i mean i would probably get those what are they those little those little pasty stick on the little flower shaped ones that are Pasties. like the color of your skin slap one of those on there the, the silicon ones you know <laughs> but we got stuff now that didn't exist when you and i were growing up you know we got they got those stick on bras you know yeah yeah i i saw where those stick on bras and i thought this girl though <laughs> Number one, I probably wouldn't get one right. of my tits That's in there, much less two. The there's no way it would work. would work for me <laughs> is like duct tape, and I am just not prepared to do that to myself. I uh, I do tend to wear a sports bra because otherwise my my back will hurt, which is also not relevant to the podcast. But you know, whatever. Um, so just as you're moving into these challenges, remember to keep your stress level in mind and don't take on more than you think you can handle, and um, just don't, just don't stress it because it's not in the end, it's not worth it. And write for you and write what makes you happy and fuck the rest. Because at the end of the day, those people who would berate you for your writing choices no. what you want to do. could I mean, not matter I'm not less. a big fan of major character death, but if you want to kill off the major character, you go right ahead and do it just more appropriately. Except Christopher, you can't kill Christopher. We not permanently anyway, it. but we did do that. But no, I, I read a story. I said, I read a story once where the yeah, woman, I wouldn't write it. It made it look like Eddie was dead. Mm. And I was like, okay, I'll read this. And it was Christopher that was dead. I was like, I did not sign up for this shit. I was so upset. <gasps> no. I'm more, I'm not really a, I have a hard time killing characters, but that's me. Support your right to do it. I can't say that, that I do. Well, but that's, I mean, I've, I've got a whole pic where I killed like what, 80 people. Was, yeah, they were, they were all guys, but they, they all deserved it. They got what was coming to them. That was right. literally a don't start, no, won't be on situation. 
I told my husband that. I was like, he comes in, he comes into my office and he pokes me, right? Because I had my headphones on and he wanted my attention, so he poked me. And I flicked my hand over at him to make him leave me alone because I was in the middle of something. He poked me again. I turned around and said, motherfucker, this is a don't start none, won't be none situation. He poked me again. I can't. I couldn't even chase him when he ran away because my damn knee still hurts. I was gonna say that's okay though because I'm playing my revenge. Like, is he poking a bear? You know, on purpose. Yeah, he does. He he's he has no sense of survival. <clears throat> Tickling a dragon. Yeah, yeah, men, men, men. Oh, good little good lord, son. I actually couldn't care less if somebody About sent what? me an email. <clears throat> Just let you know. Oh, I sent her a private message. I DM'd your wife. I slid into her DMs. I don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> Is there anybody in the chat room current? Wait, you know what? Actually, no. Let, let, let me end the podcast first, and then I'll ask that question. Um, <clears throat> just you know, just just keep your mental health in mind as as we as we go into part three of twenty twenty, and um you explore yourself as a writer and as a reader um mind the tags don't read dead dove <sighs> don't kill christopher diaz man if he lost the will every time the sea chickens didn't make the playoffs he'd be in a world of hurt because they don't often make the playoffs do they i don't actually I don't know. know how often have the seahawks made Stupid the playoffs it's actually apparently a common <laughs> google search <laughs> five times in 25 season. <laughs> season three of the global apocalypse is underway. Yes, it is. Please keep your mental health in mind. And um, I look forward to seeing those of you who participate in Challenge for Rough Trade. And um, I hope that this podcast, see, really he, should. He, he should be used to it by now. <laughs> Five out of 25. He should not be surprised when it doesn't happen. Um, but, uh, and, just remember going into April that this challenge is designed to challenge you, not demoralize you. And the only person that you have to satisfy with your challenge is yourself. Mission accomplished. I always satisfy myself. Mission accomplished. <laughs> if you don't have the equipment, store bought is fine. Good night, um, everyone. You know what? Fuck it. Say good night, Jilly. <laughs> I don't know Go away, you fucking asshole. asshole. How's that? <laughs> this podcast oh, God, this is awful it's it's making me work